boy's got his own ringtone. It's the only one I know. Dude, every song on the album is good. Adventure Guys. Adventure Guys. Now it's time for Adventure Guys. Hey. Adventure Guys, podcast for humans and dogs. I'm Eric the Human. And I'm Nick the Human. And welcome to episode 10. Double digits, baby. We did it. We reached it. We reached We reached a milestone. Yeah. Yo, hey, thank you everyone for listening to this podcast. We did 10 entire episodes. That's that's cool. Yeah. I dig it. I feel accomplished that we hey, are Nick, doing it. Hey, Nick. Nick. Yeah. Congratulations, buddy, on 10 uh, episodes. Congratulations to you. We did it. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> I'm, Dude, I'm actually, I was reflecting on this today about 10 episodes, but also because I, this week has been one of the busiest weeks I've had in the last two years at work. <laughs> like, um, in my work at a record company, um, sometimes like, you know, album releases shift around and these things happen and, you know... Theoretically, the company, they want to spread the workload around so different people have, you know, the same amount of work everywhere. But due to the nature of music and things moving all the time and everything being fluid and it's like a creative company, all of a sudden, sometimes things can all of a sudden like this release that was supposed to happen in August is now happening in mid-October when this album was planned. And I'm also doing like all this stuff with voting and working with the company Headcount. Um I'm just going to go ahead and assume anyone's listening to this probably plans on voting and is registering to vote. But if you're not... You have to vote. You're not allowed to listen to our podcast if you don't vote. Yes. Thank you, Eric. Um, And what I've been working on all week is um, producing a voter registration concert where if you register to vote at headcount.org slash vote ready, you get in to see the Vote Ready Festival, which I have produced. Um, this is coming out on Tuesday, which is the day we're announcing the festival. And I'm incredibly excited about it. Um, here's some of the artists who are on it. Um, favorite band, Portugal the Man, on the yeah. festival. Yeah. Um, uh, Wiz Khalifa. People like Whoa. him. <laughs> um, electric Guest. Um, uh, who are some other? Oh, Group Love. Ava Max, White Reaper. Do you know White Reaper, Eric? I don't think so. Judging off of the last Lightning Round theme song, you would like White Reaper because okay. they're bringing <laughs> some great guitar solos back um, and like are actually like getting played on the radio and they write really good rock songs. Um, Jack Harlow. There's a bunch of like good people who are taking part of it. And it's like, it started out, I didn't think it was going to, thought like 10 people were going to be on it. And then all these artists like were like, yeah, we want to be on it. But anyway, when I'm bringing this back around because I've been staying up like working till one or two in the morning. But when these times hit me every once every year or a couple of years or whatever, typically I put like my life on hold to like see through these insane projects I have now undertaken. Um, and I put everything to, to the side and all of a sudden I'm like, I haven't played music in like a month and a half, which is kind of what's happening right now. And like, I'm like, oh, I haven't seen my friends in a while. And like, God, I've, I've been eating like shit and everything falls apart because I'm like just trying to, to take care of it. I imagine it's similar when you're trying to like finish a record or you're on tour or something and you're like, 
Um, for people, for others, it might be akin to when you're in college and you're just sort of like studying all night to like write a term paper or something. And like, but um, what didn't fall away was the podcast. Like we recorded <laughs> during the midst of that. Like this is like the third podcast. And while I was moving and like, like my life has been crazy, but we've kept doing this. And that is great. It means it's a good project. It means that in the face of this, if it's kept going to this point, it's going to keep going. I don't know. It makes me happy. So thank yeah, you, I think Eric. We're, we're going some, someplace good with this podcast. Yeah. Thank you for, uh, you, Eric, uh, as we've talked about, makes all the music um, and produces this thing. So it would have fallen up by the wayside for a couple of weeks had it not been for you. So thank you. Huh. Uh, I do want to try a couple new things on this episode. Oh, yes. Uh, I, I think we might, we might try and run an ad for the first time. Hopefully, y'all don't think we're sellouts for running an ad. No. I mean, you can think we're sellouts for other reasons. Yeah. It's huge freaking posers. That's us, but my corporate rock festival that I'm putting on <laughs> <laughs> for a good cause. You know, we're using our platform for good, but yeah. Uh, but I think this particular ad that we can run will make one and a half cents every time someone listens to it. Uh, so, like for instance, I think if we had been running ads this entire time that we've been putting out these episodes, we would have made like four dollars by now. Oh damn! All right, <laughs> yeah, let's get going. <laughs> we do we do have a new option to financially support this podcast. Uh it's on our anchor page for the podcast, anchor.fm. Do we have a URL for it? I don't know. Our links are everywhere on our if you're finding if you're listening to our podcast, you probably know how to get to our links. It's in the episode um, description. Yeah. There's there's a, a button to support this podcast and you can pay like a dollar a month. Uh, or two dollars a month, or however many dollars a month you want, and we are spending money on this podcast. We have started spending money. I think our net earnings on this podcast right now are negative one hundred and two dollars. <laughs> yeah, that sounds right. And it's just gonna keep going down, baby. Um, unless uh, unless the these ads start coming, or someone kicks us a shekel or two. Yeah, penny that is there. Eric, how was your week? Were you crazy busy? Are you not busy? Oh, man. Are you finishing am, this project of yours? I'm in a huge crunch to finish this final Oliphonics cover album. Ooh. I'm so close. I have two things left to track tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, like a guitar and bass thing. It should be easy. And then all the tracking is finished. And then I just need to finish up a few mixing things. And it will be probably completed on Monday. It's Friday night now. Dude, can't wait to hear it. Yo, this is a huge project. I, I can't say what it is yet, but I will say that it's 21 songs oh, for this album. I had no idea it was that ambitious of a project. Yeah, which is why it's been driving me bonkers <laughs> the past three months doing this. But it's almost finished, uh, and then I'm going to play Pokemon and watch TV. <laughs> yeah. And if you're too hyped and you need some ska in your life... Go uh, go get Sunk Costs, the Holophonic 7-inch. I'm going to plug it for you because so you don't feel weird about doing it. <laughs> oh, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> um, plug a palooza today. Um, but, you know, in the face of all this work and stress I've been facing, I did watch this Adventure Time episode, and I would love to talk about it. Episode Discussion Um, I talked to a friend 
who's who sent us an email at did you see the mail at gmail.com please email us we love dialogue um and i got some feedback people like the deep dive episode one i went deep i went real deep <laughs> and multiple people have, after and i backed off in the subsequent nine episodes or eight episodes but uh i i kind of want to go back to it and in this episode i i got some some good thoughts i think it's a middle ground i don't think i'm going too deep but uh there's some cool this sort of, there's some cool stuff i think to say in this episode that's otherwise you know kind of a nice little light romantic romp <laughs> yeah romantic sure yeah <laughs> so we watched uh season two episode six slow love <laughs> It's like a Finn title. and Jake episode. Yeah. I think it's uh, pretty characteristic of some of the early seasons where it's like Finn and Jake just being adventuring kind of dudes. They're just heroing around the land of Ooh, helping out people. And yeah. And you know, what's, what's funny about it is, is which Eric, I'm curious if this comes up later in the show is that, so they're playing with BMO and then this snail crashes through <laughs> their house and excretes this juice all over them and they're like snail attack yeah they're gonna hit him with some salt and then he goes whoa 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 i came for your help i heard you were heroes and which is interesting to me because yes they must have a reputation in the land of ooh obviously but their adventures they don't seem to get like solicited for adventures like this all too much do they like they're not like the ghostbusters or something where people call them up and go hey please adventure with me yeah, their status isn't like official. Yeah, I think it's more like word of mouth. Okay, like there's there's a little bit of a network. Like Princess Bubblegum basically uses Finn and Jake as muscle for a lot of things. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she seems to employ them the most, and they're more yeah. than game. But they are. I think they are in this sort of uh, pursuit of heroism. I mean. Finn is only like 14, I guess. Mm -hmm. And he recognizes that he's on a journey to become a hero. And there are a few episodes here and there where he's, you know, questing and has to overcome obstacles and puzzles and, and stuff like that to, you know, further himself along this journey. Uh, One of the episodes that focuses on that, that I like from season one, I think it's an early episode. I think it's season one, episode five called the Enchiridion. Mm-hmm. where they get this book, The Enchiridion, which basically tells you how to be a hero. It's like a hero's guide, cool. something like that. Oh, I can't wait to watch that one. So yeah, they have a little bit of a a word-of-mouth reputation. Like, they're heroes in training, mm-hmm. I guess. Oh, cool. Well, I gotta say, um, I really like season two. Like, this is the third season two episode I think we've done. Sean's been binging <laughs> season two. Not rage binging, as I referenced. He's been responsibly binging uh, okay. the whole series. But season two, I, like honestly, is like a really nice kick up from season one. Like there's a noticeable uptick in quality and in depth in what they're doing. Um, but it's not so far yet. It's a cool mix. As with most long running shows, I think season two tends to be a good one. Yeah, kind of the season where season one it's happening. They're figuring out, but then. Yeah, like a lot of good, like Parks and Rec, uh, where it's like, oh, The Office. Oh, okay. Season two is when it clicks and it starts becoming like right. the show we love. Yeah. And that's definitely happening. And it happened for me in this episode. It's like a really great thing. So so the snail, th- does the snail have a name? 
Snorlock. Snorlock. Oh yes, he he says that, but he says it in such a gross way that I think I it just slime slithered right out of my mind. Uh, Snor Snorlock. Snorlock. Yes. Yeah. Snor it. Snorlock is sort of the. Uh, it's not it's not a monster of the week format, but he's like the random character of yeah. the episode. Yeah. So he comes in and he's all sad and he's asking for the help. He says he he needs a girlfriend because he has nobody to love, and he's very sad, like like just on the edge of breaking down at any moment. Um, and because of that, these are two two saps, and you know have some good empathy Finn and Jake, so they agree to help him find a girlfriend. <laughs> Yeah, Snorlock is really direct about this, which <laughs> yeah. it seems a little bit weird, but Finn and Jake are on board, so it's it Hey, in the out, true Adventure Time fashion, let's just get right to it. Let's not beat around the bush. Like they just <laughs> go right at everything. You know? Um so then he, he continues to crawl through their house until it is now on his back like the shell of a snail. Because he arrives with no shell and that fact will come back later in the episode so now i guess i would like to to talk about the episode not in painstaking detail but go through it and talk about um the episode and what it means to me um a little bit <laughs> it, now <laughs> this is not so deep as to like talking about like deep subtext like in the season two episode one it came from the nidosphere where there was some deeper subtext and symbolism happening this one's way more out in the open um but you know we're, we go with Snorla Snorlax, right? That's his name. And his Snor Snorlax is a Pokemon. It is Snorlock. Oh, Snorlock. Okay. Is our, um, uh, by the way, Snorlock, voiced by Biz Markey. Ah, love it. Oh, so when yeah. he beatboxes, it's like exactly. Oh, that's his thing. That's so great. <laughs> so, so they they go and he goes to find, try to find some girls, and then he asks like, how do I find girls like how do i talk to girls and and finn says if you want to meet a lady if you want to get a lady to like you you just got to be yourself and that seems really scary for this guy and he goes immediately to talk to a girl snail who's got like a cute hat on her sh shell and then she as he comes over she sucks in her gut and like pushes up her snail boobs <laughs> which made me feel weird <laughs> but also it's kind yeah, of this cute. is this is the second episode in a row that we've watched that has weirdly sexual overtones to it. <laughs> yeah. It's it's nice because it's real, you know? Like, but it's also weird because it's a cartoon. I don't know. It is kind of weird. And it's a giant snail. Yeah. <laughs> That's probably what's most weird about it. And he goes over and he talks and uh and then he like immediately starts losing it. He's like and she's like Maybe you could come over. She's also very direct. Maybe is this is just the snail and slug way. But he he goes. Oh, she goes like. Oh, this looks like a nice normal guy to talk to. And then she goes. You are nice. We should see a movie sometime. And then he immediately starts freaking out as Jake says, "Oh, he's got this in the bag." And then he starts like shaking. And she's like, "I like old movies the best. Maybe you should take me to one." And he starts freaking out. He's shaking all around. His freakout scream is one of the greatest sound effects from this episode. <laughs> yeah, and he's like, ah, uh, "Girlfriend, girlfriend." Um, and what I think that this character is going through is honestly the sort of trials that we all go through as we enter that age when we start to become interested in like a partner 
or like sexually awakened or like, you know what I mean? Or like, <laughs> oh, okay, I'm going to go out and try to find a girlfriend or a boyfriend now. Like, okay, like let's go see what this is all about. And some people are confident out of the gate, but I think for a lot of people, you enter that arena and it's scary and you're scared of rejection and that ultimately you might not be good enough to attract a female. And this guy is obviously he's sad, he's lonely, and he lacks some sort of self-esteem because so this happens, he freaks out and then Jake gets off off the snail and like gets big for a second goes, hey man, like you gotta like learn how to get that under control. Like you're, <laughs> you're freaking ladies out. Like, come on. And the first thing he says is, is no, are you going to leave me? Like the oh, yeah. first thing he thinks is like that he's not good. And like, these guys are going to abandon him, which really just gets at the snail like main fear here, which is that he's not good enough to be loved. That even if he talks to a girl, she's just <laughs> going to leave right away. Like deep insecurities is going. So to combat those insecurities, Jake is like, don't sweat it. I'm going to teach you how to talk to ladies and starts teaching him some weird like pickup artist type stuff. Like he impersonates uh, a female snail, tries to get uh, Finn to talk to him. It's weird. It's gross. Uh, then he, <laughs> everyone, everyone involved thinks it's weird. <laughs> yeah. Immediately. It looks weird. And then I, it, it is a great delight because Finn immediately just goes, ew, <laughs> when he turns into a snail. Um, then Jake is going to be the male snail and is like, Finn, you be the female. And then immediately he's like, you smell good. Like, let me smell you. And it's like, what? It's weird. And he's like, yeah, I want to mate with you. And then the, the, the real snail is like, I, can I mate with you? And he's like, no. <laughs> um, anyway, so he tries on this pickup artist shtick, goes and finds like a really nice snail girl and immediately just botches it. It's just like, can I smell you? <laughs> <laughs> do I smell cookies? And it's just like smelling her neck. And she's like, please never talk to me again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. So now that takes up. So like, okay, say you're the 13 year old boy is going to talk to girls. You're, you try to talk to girls. It fails. You're scared. So then you try on your, your hyper masculine self. You get all pumped up and you're like, Oh, Hey, like I'm a meatheady guy. Probably not going to work because that never works. Then we enter phase three, which is they're going to be like, okay, if you get a skill or a talent, that will attract the ladies. Um, and they teach them music. And like, oh, first they get swords. And it's like, okay, if you like stab these swords around, okay, what if we try beatboxing? And then he does both. And he's swinging swords around. And we got Bismarck key beatboxing. And now it actually kind of works and it's attracting some girls. I, I love this scene, how quick a learner he is, because uh, it's one of those moments where you think they're setting him up for failure and he immediately gets it. Yeah. I was like, oh, OK, so we're moving along. <laughs> yeah. He's great at it. He's great. And I think and, and it, it works and it tracks girls and they come and there's like now he's got like 10 snail girls dancing grinding on him and <laughs> yeah. kissing his cheek to the point where like Finn and Jake are now getting alarmed and they're their house that's on uh, the snail's back is getting destroyed by all the dancing. Um, but before we go there, what's interesting is, is that he is good at it. And I think that is what kind of happens to some people when you're finding your identity in youth and you go like, okay, I tried on one outfit, the hyper masculine, like pickup arts guy that didn't work. 
okay, maybe I'm more of an outside. Maybe I'm an art guy. Maybe I'm a music guy. Maybe I'm a sports guy. Whatever you you try on your thing and try to find your talent to be accepted by other people and cover up that insecurity. And for him, it's wielding swords and beatboxing. But for a lot of people, it works, and then they just lean into it. I mean, I can identify that to a certain extent. I'm like, oh yeah, I'm a weird music guy. Like that's my thing now. Like I play instruments, and my friends are in punk bands, and uh, we go to see shows, and uh, I collect records, and whatever. you find your identities, um, and it works. Um, but at the end of the day. I'll keep going in the, the plot because it comes together. At the end of the day, the women he's attracting, once those skills fall away and it's not about the skills anymore, they all kind of, and what he's wearing, his his sh- the house falls off, the shell falls off, and the women are immediately like, ew, you don't have a shell. And he's not doing the thing that they like anymore, and they're not into him. They were into the thing. They were into the dress-up. They were into the costume, the concept of him. And it's only once he now sheds it, and now he's becoming a true... You know, he's continuing this journey and has now shed everything is back to where he begins. And like Finn is saying, said at the beginning of the episode, he's just being himself, which it turns out is not a snail at all, but a slug because he doesn't have a shell (laughs) that he finds a slug girlfriend. And now he's truly happy for he has found somebody who is going to appreciate him for just who he was. And at the end of the day, that is truly what we want. And that is what the goal is. And when the slug snore lock finds this girl they can now sit outside the treehouse and make out while bemo plays really loud music and watches (laughs) (laughs) and that's cool that's like the true journey that i think we all want to get to and like kind of all go through and we got to see it in 11 minutes through this sad snail's eyes yeah that's a good one and the and the slug that he found the slug girlfriend was doing the same thing that he was doing like putting on a front and trying to be someone she wasn't. Yeah. She had a peppermint shell, <laughs> giant peppermint shell, which is, which makes you have to think. So I suppose those are readily available with a candy kingdom, like yeah. in the area. But now, now, <laughs> now does in the candy kingdom, cause I was thinking about that cause peppermint Butler is, but, um, you know, a 16th as big as the shell that's on this snail's back. And he's sentient. So would they be related to not all candy from the candy kingdom is sentient, right? Just some of it is. Right, yeah. Yeah, whatever Princess Bubblegum kind of makes sentient. <laughs> I'm so excited to learn about Princess, I mean, about Peppermint Butler. Because if if he was created by, I guess we'll get the whole, I'll get the whole backstory, but I'm, oh man, he's just so weird. And I can't wait to learn where he came from. He seems to have lived a whole life of weirdness he's friends with the world of the dead i know i've seen that episode oh we're getting off track but anyway um (laughs) yes the the full this is a great episode that's my deep dive not so deep this time but really cool and i think it makes the this episode emotionally resonant and happy and it's cool has a nice ending the ending though so the they the slugs come the house is now intact they're fixing it up Finn and Jacob tool belts on and BMO is there watching the two slugs make out chanting, go, go, go. And Jake's like, BMO stop. And then BMO turns up his volume all the way. And then just (laughs) what a jerk. (laughs) BMO's always a jerk. (laughs) This is really funny. BMO though. I loved this. I love that. Yeah. Uh, And then, and then, so the way the episode like ends is 
Finn and Jake are like, oh, Bimo, in that like cliche sitcom way. Yeah. And you know, um, you know what I've been watching? I actually just finished watching uh, The Big Bang Theory, which is not a good show. What, wait, 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 wait. You, you watched like the whole series of The Big Bang Theory? Yeah, over the last like few months. I always what? Have, Why? Yeah, so I always have a show, like a bullshit show, that uh, just some like random, usually easy to be on in the background kind of sitcom that oh. I'll play on one screen while I do work on the other screen. Okay. Um, now, now the the concept of this bullshit show, I think, would be the same for you as I'm sure our listeners do this. I don't do this, but I've now learned that a lot of people in my life have a bullshit show, but it's for a lot of people, it seems to be like friends or the office. The office seems to be like the country, like our millennials bullshit show where like they yeah. just put it on the background every single night. Like, yeah, I try, I try to switch it up. Well, that's, um, that's respectable. Honestly, it weirds me out that I've had now three or four roommates in my time, like literally three or four roommates that watch the same show every night as they go to bed. Some of them might be listening and I don't think you're weird. I just think the fact that you watch the same show <laughs> for 10 years in a row is weird when you could be watching a show, even a terrible show. Like just watch a new terror, watch a new show. Like the office isn't that good. Boom. Hot take. The office yeah, isn't that good. I'm standing up now. This is my stand up. <laughs> the office isn't that good. Look, it's better than Big Bang Theory. It's better than a lot of shows. It's a good show, but it is not 10 years of your life every night type of show. No. no. I I don't know what is. It, the Office was fine. I didn't have anything to dislike about it, but it's it's not like, you know. I, I have uh, lots of thoughts it, on The it's Office. It's not an achievement in the art of American sitcoms. Like, it did. It did popularize the mockumentary for better or worse, because that is just that format is. I think has just been done so far that it's dead now. Um, what I I have it, lots it, of it mainstreamed it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. you had you had uh, those those other movies. Uh, what's his face that does those mo- best in show? Oh yeah, and... Christopher Guest. Yeah, been doing that shit since yeah. the eighties. Right, right, right. I mean, there's that. There's also. I mean. Um, you know, Sasha Baron Cohen in a lot of ways was doing like a sort of a mockumentary with characters. Um, you know, there, there's a great mockumentary show called uh, Dog Bites Man in the in the early 2000s on Comedy Central. Now, Dog Bites Man was started by Larry Charles, who um, directed all out of the he directed Seinfeld and then he directed a lot of uh, Sasha Baron Cohen stuff in the Ali G show. Then his next project after the Ali G show was Dog Bites Man. And what he did was, is he got together a fake newscast. It was, and uh, in the newscast was Matt Walsh, founder of UCB, Andrea Savage from I'm Sorry and a Million Things You've Seen, A.D. Miles, who's now the head writer for the last entire run of Late Night with Jimmy Fallon, and Zach Galifianakis. Um, And it was the four of them as a fake news TV show in this like mockumentary setting, but they were going and interacting with real people as these characters sort of like Ali G style. I'm going off on a tangent, but that's a very cool show that you might want to check out. But anyway, the, okay. the, the office 
I know we should be talking about the Big Bang Theory because there's way more problems with the Big Bang Theory. It's just a far worse show in the office. So maybe I'll maybe I, should I save my office rant because I could go on the office and my problems with it. Um, I mean we're here, we could do it, but we don't we don't need we don't need that go down the road. No. <laughs> How was the Big Bang Theory? What 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 did you take away at the end of it? Well, okay, the show starts and ends very differently mm. um it's 12 seasons long and one of the like i i had seen some of it here and there like over the last like started airing what like 13 14 years ago yeah. i'd seen some of it but watching like the early <laughs> seasons, whole adult lives that show has been on. yeah right uh it's like so very obvious what a male show mm. it is like <laughs> i think that's that's a pretty common criticism that it's like there's just like misogyny everywhere yeah. and it's it's not like charming at all but the uh the the major takeaway that i that i realized that i had from the big bang theory when when i watched this episode of adventure time uh is it sort of conditioned me to uh to predict what the scene ending jokes were going to be. Is there like a, a, like a name for that? You know, like the, like the last joke that someone says and the studio audience laughs and then it like, does a scene change? Oh, I don't know. Is it a tag on the scene? I, yeah, I don't know. I'm sure there's, there's like a, a technical term for yeah. what that's called. Um, but the thing about that final joke of the scene is that it doesn't have to be funny. Oh, but people will laugh because it's the end of the scene and that's the rhythm. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And the Big Bang Theory has so many scene changes. Mm. They do this little like like a graphic overlay as they switch from scene to scene so that it positions every joke to be the end of the scene. So you think it's funny, but it's really not at all. Yeah, <laughs> because that is a laugh point. And yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's, and there's so many like just bad jokes that get the laugh track simply because it's, 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 it's going into another scene. Yeah. And I, wow. I, I realized like, I would think that the scene was about to end in the big bang theory a lot because yeah. someone just told a joke that didn't land. And yet there was still a, a raucous laugh track wow. and then the scene continued. And I was like, Oh, I, <laughs> the scene's going on longer than I, I, am conditioned to believe it should. Yeah. Dude, <laughs> so, great criticism. I got really keyed into that thing. So I saw this, uh, the end of this Adventure Time episode where they're like, oh, BMO, which is the stereotypical sitcom scene yeah. ender, which isn't a funny joke, no. but it's something that sitcom characters would do. And it's not the last gag at the episode. There's like a PS gag where the gross snail slime gets squirted all over Bima, <laughs> and that was funny <laughs> uh, they're almost subverting that norm that like yeah. trope of of sitcoms with just something really gross it's almost like a fuck you to, to <laughs> it ah uh, that's great oh that was that was a great rant that was a great yeah. moment dude i love that you know and, and i i was i mean sh still shocked you made it through all that show i you know at this point in my life i don't like to watch things that i not really enjoying but you know recently i heard somebody say taste is what you enjoy but taste is also what you don't enjoy and watching <laughs> things that you don't enjoy is kind of cool I, I have you know living in brooklyn in williamsburg 
has sort of like I'm sometimes I'm like I'm in the bubble and I'm not interacting with enough things that I that aren't me or I don't like. Do you know what I mean? Like because like when you're in suburbia and there's like something you're like, okay, that's not me. It's it kind of like calibrates you and it feels it feels weird when I walk out of my apartment and three cars drive by just blasting Tame Impala. And I love Tame Impala. <laughs> Seen him like six times. I saw him on the Lonerism tour, man, like at music hall with like half full van. But but like it's still weird to be in that zone. So I've too have like experimented watching things that aren't me just to like know what's going on in the world and reinforce like my point of view in the world. Like I'll watch a Ben Shapiro video on YouTube and I hate it, (laughs) but it's like, okay, that's out in the world. I'm over here. Okay. I know where I, you know what I mean? Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for, for what it's worth, I do like sitcoms, like whether it's multi camera or single camera, uh, you know, laugh track or not. Like I, it, it's something that is enough of an American trope that just having it in and around my senses as I'm doing other things is, is a thing that centers me a little yeah. bit in, in being able to be productive and being familiarized with what's happening around me and not being anxious. It just, it feels good, man. Like it, I, it's some, pretty low stakes. Yeah. And, and like watching the, I usually, you know, have like one or two like heavy shows that I'll be watching, yeah. maybe like hour long dramas that I'm invested in the story. And then I'll have like a bullshit show. That's usually like a half hour sitcom. And then I'll have like a cartoon. So like I could be watching like four different shows at any given time. And I'll just like rotate through different ones. That's cool. I mean, we talked about this. My friends, friends of mine have done this. I think it's for similar reasons, but like I've had friends watch all of cheers or, Friends. Yeah, I've never watched that one. Yeah, you know, Cheers or Mary Tyler Moore show or even like, you know, All in the Family or Married with Children. Like, if I was a more common TV watcher, um, I would probably just try all this. It's kind of like listening to music where you're like, okay, I like this genre of music. Like, why don't I go through and see like the building blocks? And I feel like the sitcom's kind of like that. Like, I would like to, it's like, oh, I like reggae, so... I'm going to listen to reggae from different eras and stuff. Like it'd be kind of cool to do that with sitcoms and be like, let's see how this developed. And like, Oh, like these tropes were established here. And Oh, that's where that character comes from. Yeah. The other one, the bullshit show I I watched before starting big bang theory was, um, how I met your mother. Yes. And I had seen that one, you know, all the way through a couple times. How does Um, it, how's it, how's it holding up? You know, I think it gets criticism for not holding up well at all. Yeah. It and doesn't seem like it would. It, like I watched it all. Um, like I think, I think the, after the first four or five seasons that come out, I watched it like uh, at the university of Delaware when I was like a junior. And then I started watching it as it came out. Um, and I fucking loved it. Like everyone did when it came out, like it was really funny, but now thinking back on it and you think about Barney and a lot of the jokes and the viewpoint and you're kind of like, huh? Yeah. Well, so I think I think that's a general consensus is that it was ultra popular on when it was on and then it has not left a good legacy afterwards. And I still like it, but there are like a lot of problems that I noticed on this last watch through. Uh, it had been a few years since I had watched it. Mm-hmm. And basically every season has at least one transphobic joke that is just like, why are we like what? still trying to make this gag? 
and uh, the Barney misogyny, like, you know, trope yeah. that runs throughout the entire show. I always thought that there was meta humor yeah. to it because Neil Patrick Harris is gay and, you know, and, and they're, for they do kind of explore the sadness of Barney and like with the root of where it comes from and, you know, those things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I see, I, I didn't start watching the show when the show started and I didn't realize how far back it went. Uh, Neil Patrick Harris didn't come out publicly until after the first season had aired. Oh, so there, so that meta humor that I thought was written into the character yeah. actually wasn't part of the intention. Yeah. Um, and I guess I had like <clears throat> in like sort of reframed it in my mind to think like, oh, everyone always know, think, always knew that think this a lot of character us, was played by a gay actor. So it doesn't. So the I, I well, think maybe all, like they adapted his character to reflect yes. that a little bit more. And and the the times did start changing as the show went on. And there, like I was just talking about how, some like as the show goes on, part of the joke is is that Barney's acting this way, but it's sad. Like this isn't the way sh- someone should be acting, right? And that comes that comes along as the show goes on. But if memory serves, those first couple seasons, that's not really the viewpoint of the Barney jokes. Like the viewpoint is that this guy's kind of tight. Like he's a, he's living the hyper masculine take all prisoners, fuck all chicks, get all money stuff that we kind of like want to see lived out. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It, yeah. It didn't seem like there was enough irony. No, in, it, that's in what it is. Barney. Yes. Um, and, and, and also like in that show too, I, you know, it's hard. It's sometimes it's like a show can just be a story and it doesn't have to like reflect what you want to see the characters do. But like, you know, just seeing Allison Hannigan's character want to be an artist and just seeing her journey through that as I'm, I guess we're both artists of a sort. And just <laughs> to see like her talk about the journey and not do anything about it, then finally try and fail. And then the way she comes to terms with it is like, we're not all meant to be the-. like, it's just her giving up. I always thought that was a very interesting storyline that I hadn't seen. And sometimes I don't like that, but then also like maybe that's good. Do you know about that? You know that storyline I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's also like just the general preoccupation of the entire show towards the goal of being married and starting a family. And that is it. It's like, yeah. yeah. And it's like, she's giving that up so she can be with Marshall, but she doesn't like have to. And I don't think... Marshall's really asking her to, but it seems that she's resigned herself to being this sort of way or living this sort of life or being a mom. So she's like giving up on her artistic ambitions before she ever really sees them. And I, and it's encouraged by Ted. Like he encourages that even more so than Marshall. And I don't know that always just sort of, I'm like, wait, what is this show trying to communicate right now? Like, (laughs) I don't like that. Why? Yeah. Why? Yeah. yeah, Why? Why is True. Why is that the the end all be all for all these characters that they have to get married and have the kid? Like, <sighs> yeah. I, I, on this last watch, it became just really apparent to me, like some of the core values of the show that I had maybe not keyed into uh, in years past that I just did not resonate with. Um, the thing that I really like about the show, which 
could have been done in any other show sure. was the 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 narrative and how the narrative was presented in a nonlinear way. Oh yeah, uh, <clears throat> well, the, like the whole structure of the unreliable narrator, you know, mm-hmm. like weaving stories oh. in and out. Well, thanks for bringing up um, the positive aspects of it too, because I immensely enjoyed watching the show for how much shit I'm talking on it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's uh and you know, I did like the ending. I, the ending got a lot of shit. Um, and I think that's the real reason why uh, it's mainstream legacy hasn't lived on is because people got so sour about the ending, not because people realized it was misogynistic and transphobic and all these other <laughs> shitty issues with it. But yeah, the, uh, the ending I felt was, true to the the real narrative that they were telling and a lot of people just wanted it to be a happy ending uh that was a little bit more surface level yeah uh, but i i, I well I the think- true the true narrative also is like you think the show and, and that's why it didn't bother me is like the show wasn't about him finding this person the show was about his journey through his 20s when you're searching for your way or you're in your 30s you know like and that's really yeah. the thing um the thing about the now if i go back to are you finished on this? Cause I had a big bang. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we don't, I don't know. That when I, <laughs> when I was in New York, um, I don't know if I said this on the pod or if, even I told you the podcast, I don't like saying pod is pod. Is that <laughs> acceptable? That abbreviation or is that cringe? I don't Do people say it like, I'm going to be on, I, oh, I got to do the pod. I'm going to be, a, we need some guests on the pod. <laughs> you know, I, I, I'm fine with it. Okay. So, um, I don't think I said this, but when I was in New York, um, I got some drinks. I drank a lot more than I have been all quarantine. I've been pretty sober. Um, but I woke up and I was extremely hungover. And the whole time I was in New York, I watched every single episode of Drunk History on YouTube, um, <laughs> which is funny. But I woke up, put on a Drunk History, and let YouTube just run, which is dangerous um, because it'll get you into weird places. But what came up while I was just in that haze of hungover and my laptop's in my bed was um, a half-hour video essay on the misogyny of big bang theory. Um, <laughs> and I've never really watched the show, but I watched that whole video essay and it was incredibly well crafted with scenes from every single season of the show. And he breaks down the misogyny baked into every single male, male main character on the show and why it's like particularly bad and how it's playing. It's saying that like some of their misogynist humor is okay or even funny because it's playing against the masculine stereotype. And at the end of the day, it's like, just because you're not this ideal, like, you know, like this jockey way, like, doesn't mean because you're like a nerd that the misogyny is funny. And right. And what they did is they were playing some of Sheldon's like rants. And I guess he's sort of emotionally like void or whatever. They're playing some of the shit he was saying to women. Like, I would never hire you. I can never hire a woman. I, I can't hire someone that bleeds uh, once a month and trust it to like he was like saying stuff like that and it was getting yeah. last and, and i was like what um and they were talking about it and it's like okay it's a show but then they were talking about the greater impact of like misogyny that's like kind of baked into like nerd culture um and they were talking about like the in like in the tech industry how there's a ton of misogyny sort of like that and they actually played one of his rants and then played a leaked audio tape of like uh executive at Google and they, and they put, put it next to each other. And they're like, tell me which one's Sheldon and tell me which one is an executive at Google. And it was like, you couldn't tell. And it's like, Whoa. So is this really a, 
a joke? Is it funny? Should we be like normalizing this sort of humor in the most popular sitcom of the last like two decades? Um, I don't think so. <laughs> and it was, it was really crazy. Like, yeah, it's, it, the show goes on so long that you notice when they start correcting some of those things, mm-hmm. but they never get all the way. Yeah. Like after 12 years, like, so, like I imagine there were a few conversations where like the, show creator someone was like hey chuck maybe we can tone it down with the <laughs> with the misogyny and he'll be like what misogyny dude at that show creator chuck lorry mm-hmm. he's uh he's like peak boomer like he's an old guy got it like he's like some old straight dude and he has vanity cards at the end of every episode what and what is that uh you know like um Every you know little production company that has oh, a part yeah, in the yeah, show, yeah. yeah, yeah. So he has he has a card that plays at the end of the end of the credits, and it's different every episode. So he's got like hundreds of these where he just like writes some thoughts that he has. It's like a huh. little blog. Oh, and some of the shit that he's written on those, like where I I obviously didn't read all of these, but like where I just you know hit a point where I can uh, push pause on my. Mm-hmm. on the streaming window and, and switch projects on the work window. And I've like, I've seen a bunch of random ones. And I was like, what the fuck is this guy thinking where he's not, he, okay. He hates Trump. Fine. Good. But he's still like that old boomer uh, mentality. That Bill Maher, it's like that Bill Maher sort of mentality of, okay. Yeah. Trump sucks, but PC culture, we got to watch out for that. He's not really like that, okay. but it's like the old clueless, staunch Democrats like thinking they're doing the right thing, but they're really still just being a fucking asshole. Like <laughs> they're just being nice about it. Wow. Yeah. He, he like really misses the mark on a lot of, a lot of shit. Like he talks about like transphobia and racism on some of those things that I've seen. I'm just like, dude, you're totally out of your element on this. Maybe figure some of this out before you put this on a freaking network sitcom. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's funny. I don't know, man. Like, I I do think, like, I know that people say it's comedy shows and these things, but I think it the, the, that stuff informs people because, like, we watch that shit so much. Like, it's informing your morality. Like, by, you know, there's no real way around that. Like, what you think is funny is informed by the media you're consuming and the cultural context in which you live in. And, like, I firmly remember watching comedy shows and learning, like, oh, that's a funny joke. Like, if somebody is gay, that is funny. You know what I mean? Like when we were like kids, they're like, oh, I'm watching Conan O'Brien and they just insinuated that Max Weinberg likes to fuck guys at the gym and everyone laughed. Okay, that is a joke that you can make and we all have agreed it's funny. I know I sound like an alien, like figuring out life, but like, <laughs> you know, when you're like 10, you're piecing together the world and like... That shit seeps out there into like how people are interacting with each other. Right. These network shows, whether, you know, it's old late night or whether it's sitcoms like that's the that's the real mainstream. And as much as I like the format, it is somewhat of a shock to tune into that kind of show and just be forced to remember that the mainstream American thinks this way now. Yeah. I know because it's it's also a reflection of that. Like I think some of the jokes they seem lazy, but it's like they're it's like a it's so lazy. That's it's, the thing. it's, it's a like circ- you're not even 
yeah. doing good work in comedy. And, and I think it's like a circular kind of a thing sometimes where it's like, these are jokes that are funny. They tell those jokes. That's what's funny. And then they tell jokes that they know people think are funny. You know what I mean? Where it's like, it's not even like a joke anyone would think is funny, but it sounds like a funny joke. Right. You know what I mean? It's phrased. Quick, let's change the scene and put a laugh track on. Exactly. <laughs> um, I should also say is that I love Conan O'Brien. Like that is so formative to who I am and my sense of humor. And Conan has done a really great job evol- evolving with the times while still being uh, irreverent. So I just want that out there. I love Conan. I listen to his podcast. I watch old episodes. <laughs> He's like one of my heroes in life. Like to go to meet Conan, be on the Conan show, to play on it. I just, dude, did you ever, I used to watch like LimeWire rips of bands playing on Conan, like, like nobody, <laughs> nobody's business. I TiVo'd it every day and watched it for years in high school. Ugh. This makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> believe this story that you're telling me 100 <laughs> percent. but but nothing nothing's perfect so yeah that's it yeah i've i've never really gotten into conan or the late night scene like that yeah um, i like the the late night format is is kind of cool too um i think it's much more enjoyable when it's parodied like the eric andre show yeah I freaking love oh, that yeah. like late night like parodies are awesome like the comedy bang bang show yeah. oh now you're speaking my language yeah um there's a, uh, the Larry Sanders show. Have you ever watched that? No, I haven't. That is so, well, I got to watch more Gary Shandling, but Gary Shandling. Okay. There's also the, uh, the Gary Shandling show, which, okay. So he was a stand-up comedian, very successful. was like on Johnny Carson. Then he got the opportunity to do his show, but instead of doing a sitcom, he did a meta sitcom like in the eighties or se- late seventies or something like and it's it's bonkers. Like it's a complete meta like takedown, like fucking with all the tropes of of a sitcom. And then after that ended, he went and did the Larry Sanders show. Because I think everyone thought, like, dude, you just kill it on Carson, like you should take over and do a late night show. But instead of taking over and doing his own late night show, he made a show about somebody about a host. Like it's basically like 30 Rock, but it was done like a decade before 30 Rock. And it's like single camera. So it's not a sitcom. Like there's no audience and there's no laugh track, Mm. but like no comedy had ever been really shot that way before that show. And it was done in HBO. Um, and it's just satirizing the whole late night and showing the ego and the vapidness. That was like Judd, one of Judd Apatow's first like big writing gigs and directing gigs was on that show. Um, I don't know. It's like an informative piece of comedy, but very cool. Um, I love, uh, Eric Andre show. Um, I've been watching <laughs> clips of that all week too. I man, one of my aspirations is to be a band leader on a parody talk show. <laughs> it's cool. Like I want to, cool. I want to be Reggie Watts, dude. Reggie <laughs> Watts is really cool. So what's, I think it's really impressive is that like he established on comedy bang, bang, not on, he's now he's the leader of James Corden, but on yeah. comedy bang, bang, he established like a real rhythm and pace in the way that he used music in the show and the way he interfaced with Scott Ackerman. And it's, it's, it's interesting because it became so foundational to the show that after he leaves and kid Cuddy and then weird Al are the band leaders, they're still just sort of doing Reggie Watts. I know. And the kid Cuddy was fine. Uh, I'm not going to talk any shit about it. It's Cudi. cool. that kid Cuddy did it like that. Yeah, made me yeah. Happy. Um, weird Al was, he was too good. 
Like you could tell <clears throat> that he put the most effort into his music production. Yeah. And it lost a little bit of the off the cuff energy that Reggie Watts brought to it. Reggie Watts has this undefinable energy to him that <laughs> yeah. is like is really hard to recreate. And I mean, it's like improvisation is not enough of a word to describe what Reggie Watts. No, <laughs> but but what's so great is like even on a show like that, that's heavily edited, multiple takes you the energy and intent and like good timeness that's flowing through each of his improvisations is alive and well <laughs> just so crazy and hard to do um you know what's really cool about reggie watts is that he was kicking around a long time before he started kind of doing comedy um as like a singer um my friends actually saw him do his loop thing this is before he got funny he did a tour opening for soul live um oh wow way long ago or at least a couple shows and i had multiple friends who saw reggie watts open for soul live do his looping thing and get booed off the stage straight up full-on you know probably playing to a thousand people booed off the stage and my friend being like he was awful and (sighs) i i don't know if he's ever talked about that maybe but like then he you know did lots of drugs and like made it funny and then like has had such an incredible singular career i just found that kind of inspiring yeah i i became aware of him uh after leaving delaware mm. and i saw him live first in 2011 oh in texas yeah whoa that's that's cool that's early yeah it was definitely before he was like on things yeah um he was i guess just a, a solo artist trying to get just, a name for himself yeah stand-up comedian Not attached to anything yeah. yeah but he was amazing Oh my gosh. Cause like, you know, at that point I hadn't seen anything live. I'd only, you know, heard recordings like his studio stuff. Yeah. Um, which is, you know, they were funny, but you know, they were like composed and produced songs and his live set was totally improvised and I was blown away. Yeah. Like that's where the magic is. Like, and seeing him, like I'd much rather just see him do 50 improvised off the cuff, fuck around things on comedy bang bang than listen to like one like produced Reggie Watts song. Cause, yeah. cause it's just like, cause that it's just whatever he does just shines so brightly in that forum. Yeah. I'm not as adept at improvising as that, obviously, but I, I, I would love to go the weird owl route yeah. and totally overproduce and put a shit ton of effort Dude. into that. Well, if there are any comedians, late night TV hosts listening, let- I'll be your, your band leader. Let Adventure Guys be the demo tape because you were you were killing it, my friend, and you put a lot of okay. work in. I will say, I I I Reggie watched my two songs, <laughs> <laughs> where I was like, okay, crack the knuckles. I have to record two songs. That was for episode nine. Everybody is that I had intended to produce them well, but due to this like insane work schedule I was talking about up top, I like just fell incredibly behind the episode came out a day later than it was supposed to because i didn't record the songs so i literally wrote each of those songs in like 10 minutes miscellaneous mania <laughs> and uh and the congratulations songs and then i went to the piano and like recorded on my phone i felt like it kind of betrayed the work and fidelity that you had put in eric did it pl- did you did you feel that way or did it play for fun and laughs uh i th- i think we managed to to edit it in a way that was funny. Okay. 
and I and I luckily I listened to the congratu- like, I let in the congratulations song with a with a bit of a funny like like yeah. the proper the proper <laughs> thing. I actually like the congratulations song um, for how fast I came up with it. <laughs> do you like Wasn't it? Bad. Did I do okay? <laughs> uh, Your silence speaking speaks of, volumes. Speaking of uh, congratulations about seeing the snail. Do you want to play? Did you see the snail? Oh yeah. Nick, did you see the snail? I saw a snail, obviously, <laughs> but not, <laughs> but not the snail. No. Eric, did you see the snail? Yes, I saw the snail. <sighs> Sean saw the snail too. You watched it with him? No, he watched it on his own and like saw it. And was like, dude, I saw the snail, and then I didn't see it. I, I, I think I've been I've been taking lots of notes and thinking a lot. And I, I end up like not looking at the screen enough because I'm like typing into my phone like he's representing the journey that all young men go through as they discover. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I'm writing that and I'm, then the snail runs by. Yeah, there were a shit ton of snails in this episode, but only one that counted. Where was he? And he was ha- he was hanging out on the table in the little dinghy boat that it is attached to the treehouse. And oh. as... Snorlock is taking Finn and Jake on their little trip out to the grasslands to meet chicks. Yeah. Uh, there's a shot of Finn in the boat and the snail's just hanging out there on the table. Yeah. <laughs> oh, cool. Well, glad you saw it. Yeah, Nick, play me that congratulations song. Wait, so that stands? Do I have to write another one? Does Does it keep <laughs> rolling or does... well? Th- well, how, I thought the wager ended at one song, or is the wager now rolling? We can play the song you already wrote. I mean, it's for me and Sean, and it was just admitted to be recorded on your phone in 10 minutes. Yeah. So if that's what you want to roll with. No, I don't. <laughs> Although Sean saw it. So, um, all right. Well, let's see. So so everyone knows, like, I'm this, this we're recording this on a Friday. The episode's going to come out on Tuesday. So I don't know what the next few days hold for me, but uh, this is the product of it. Here you go. One second, one second. I'm sorry. Congratulations. That's what I had. That's what I had in me this week. Uh, okay, so let's jump into our newly formally our new our new titled uh, section called Miscellaneous Media. And I actually I like this song. Right? Do you think this song's pretty good? Right? This song is good. Uh, we need to record a real version of it. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. But I like. But the bones are there. Yeah. You think we'll get that done in the next couple of days? Ooh, God, I hope so. Play that Miscellaneous Mania theme song. See what we got. There's things you may not know. Those Eric and Nick will show you all the trivia in Miscellaneous Mania. 
baby. Oh, okay. So there's apparently another Easter egg that that gets inserted into these Adventure Time episodes that I wasn't previously aware of. Ooh, this is good. Uh, yeah. So every episode has the snail. Sure. Um, but across the series, a handful of episodes have something called a fill face. Okay. Which is just a drawing of one of the guys that worked on the show. This guy, Phil Rinda. Okay. He was uh, a character designer on the show for a few seasons. And apparently he just made a really funny, excited face that everyone on the show really liked. So they drew him into random spots on the episode. I'm looking at the <laughs> Phil face and I know that face, but I don't know where, which means I've just seen it in the background. And it's subliminally implanted on my mind. Right. So in this episode, it was on the newspaper that Finn was reading in the opening shot. We've seen it before. Uh, Finn draws it on the wall in It Came From the Nidosphere. Yes. I remember thinking, what is that face? So, yeah, I I hadn't heard about that Easter egg until now. Um, Actually, with, you know, with the Easter eggs, with the uh, the snail even, I didn't know anything about it the first time I watched the show and then i i heard about like oh every episode has a snail and the last time i watched through the complete show i knew it was in there and yet i still almost never saw it wow out of 283 episodes i remember i saw the snail three times that's nothing dude you're seeing them all over the place in this episode like we're 10 in you've already seen the snail like three or four times you're woke you've awoken i guess i guess that's it even of the three instances that I saw the snail in my last watch through, I forget where two of them were. Mm-hmm. Um, one of them I remember. And when we watch that episode that, you know, I'll, I'll give you that one. If you don't see it and I see it, then, then, you know, it would be cheating because I remember where that okay. one is. Okay. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Well, that's cool. That's a good piece of trivia. Um, Yeah. Do you have anything else? So, so yes, yeah, so Biz Markey guessed oh, yeah. it on this episode. Uh, apparently, he's not credited correctly. Oh. Uh, on the on the credits, it's shown as John DiMaggio voices Snor- Snorlock, oh. which is wrong. Yeah, I, you know, I don't know if you've noticed this, but I've seen a few end credit screens with incorrect voice casts. Weird. It goes by so fast, and I'm so distracted by the amazing song that. I don't catch that. Yeah. Yeah. There, there's uh, a few episodes we've watched so far where I've seen like Nectar credited, like, and, and it's not, Nectar is not in the episodes. Oh, weird. And uh, even on this one, yeah, uh, Snorlock is credited incorrectly to John DiMaggio, but also Pendleton Ward as the forest wizard is, is on that list. What? And he, that character doesn't show up. It says that in the end credits. <laughs> Yeah. Weird. That's going to be infuriating for the people who work on the show. Who's Right? I don't I don't know what the deal with that is. Like I it this is obviously like a thing that happens more than a couple times. You know times. what that's working inside of a corporate structure what that sounds like is is that since that's just a thing that gets tacked on every epi- end of every episode, it's the same format, it's the same animation, it's the same song. So theoretically the text should just change. So I imagine that the animators are not overseeing that. That is more somebody in a different department has to update the end titles for all their shows. And it sounds like whoever that person is, is not doing their job correctly or like things change or like the order of the episodes change and the order of the end screen didn't change. Like maybe it's something like that. 
Yeah, I don't know, but our boy Biz doesn't get credit. He gets it now. Uh, yeah. Uh, it's it it makes total sense that he's in the beatboxing episode. Yeah. Yeah. You ever see a uh, Yo Gabba Gabba? Oh yeah. Where yeah, he's got like a segment where he teaches kids how to beatbox. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> I love that. That came out around the same time as this, right? Or a couple years earlier, maybe. Uh, maybe like two or I three. I think it was earlier. Yeah. We were we were definitely in college at peak Yo Gabba yeah. Gabba time because I remember the uh, Pick It Up Ska song yeah. going around when we were yeah, in college. Yeah, yeah. I definitely think I saw in high Yo Gabba Gabba came out when I was in high school, uh, which would have been like 2005 or something. Uh, yeah. But that's it's like of the same sort of era. That's cool. That's some good. We got some good trivia in here. Um, yeah. Should we talk about? We received a couple emails this week. Um, here, let's uh, let's play that. Did you see the mail theme song? Oh. Mail. Mail. I didn't know that existed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you, Eric. Um, <laughs> first piece of mail that came from to did you see the mail at gmail.com if you would like to be featured in the segment send us some mail we'll credit you first thing uh sean harvey um this is both looks like the subject and the body is simply fuck lumpy space princess um <laughs> he was here last show and didn't i don't he did not enjoy her but it didn't have that tone to it did it I, I don't remember that particular quote. No, me neither. Um, His feelings have escalated es- in the past few days. Oh, yeah. I think he had some time to really reflect on that. Um, Dan <laughs> Ford, my college roommate, we watched How I Met Your Mother together, I think. Uh, he uh, he was he sent us some email. What's up, Dan? Thanks for uh, being an active listener. And he, uh, he, liked, he liked the deep dive because he's been subject to my deep dive brain for a good... Uh, you know, 15 years of friendship now. So <laughs> he's conditioned. Um, Nick's deep dive brain. Here. Yeah. I uh, want well, to read this one here from Wilson. Oh yeah. I know, I know Wilson, by the way. Oh, you know, Wilson. I know Wilson. Okay. So Wilson says, dear adventure guys, let me start off by saying, I love the podcast. I've recently started rewatching adventure time because of your podcast. Hey. and have a wager for you. Whoa. I would say, I would say at this point, Wilson, what's up, buddy? I have not seen Wilson, I think, since 2011. Oh, damn. Yeah, I haven't seen oh, him in damn. nine years. Um, and we, we hung out in the years 2009, 2010. He was definitely an early person into Adventure Time who, like, hipped me to its magic. But I haven't seen this guy in nine years, and uh, we used, I used to enjoy seeing him when I went to Philadelphia. Uh, what's up, buddy? Okay, read the rest of this guy's email. All right, he's got a wager. So he says, I will watch the generated episode for the next week. And if I see the snail and you don't, Eric must make a song for the next episode about how awesome I am for seeing the snail. Oh. But if either of you see the snail and I do not, I must make a song about how awesome you guys are for seeing this snail. Oh, you? Wilson. Wilson. <laughs> what a wager. I like that. I am not on the hook for a song in this wager. I think that's best for everybody. <laughs> Yeah, so uh Eric, what do you think? I'm gonna I'm gonna decline what? this offer. Why? I I could think of a, f- a few <laughs> reasons offhand why this is a very bad idea. <laughs> I, uh yeah, first reason, uh you're totally overlooked, Nick. 
I don't think that's fair. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, Wilson, what's up, man? I guess he is respecting you at, up to the point that the wager was made. You had composed all music for the show. Um, uh, yeah, I, I mean, this. I could see this setting a dangerous precedent. <laughs> of you having to write songs every week for our listeners? Yeah, and if I'm being honest with myself... That is absolutely something that would happen to me. Where this is this where is behavior I, that you do to yourself. You sign yourself. Yeah. This, this is how you end up with sixteen ska cover albums. Right. It's completely plausible that the rest of my life would just be a downward spiral into writing snail songs for random people. So I okay. I think we better nip this in these the are bud good, right here. These are good ideas. Well, I would like to. Wilson's great and he's he's an active listener. He's listened to all of the episodes clearly. I would like to involve Wilson somehow. Can we come back to our friend here with like a with like a you know, a retort, some other way that we can involve him or like, you know, make the wager workable? Uh <laughs> I, I want I mean can we can we Do you wanna do you wanna do a side pot bet with him? Oh me, I yeah. I'm not going to be involved with this. <laughs> I know, I know. Also, hey, hey, there's no. How do we verify whether Wilson's telling the truth or not? Right? There's no, there's no governing body to authenticate snail sightings. Yeah, not like how, not like how we have. And did you see the, the snail, which is concrete and like it's you know, <laughs> we've got a we've got an outside advisor. You don't see them, but they're on the pod. They watch us. This this one person flies from Texas to New York. Watches us to see the show and then oversees the pod. <laughs> Their name's Jerry. What's up, man? You can talk onto the mic if you want, Jerry. Ah, he doesn't want to. Jerry's humble. He does his job. He he oversees it. But we can't simply can't find him to Connecticut, where I believe Wilson lives. Here, look, Wilson. We're gonna come up with an idea for you. I maybe we'll call him into the show, or I'm gonna come up with a side bet for him. But uh, thanks for listening, man. Eric, I think your reasons are valid. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Well, a uh, good episode of Did You See the Mail? <laughs> let's uh, let's pick an episode to watch for next week. Get that fire up that generator. I imagine that it has a pole cord like a lawnmower. It does. You got it. Oh, yeah. What are we gonna watch next week? What are we gonna watch? Episode 77, we've got season three, episode 25, Dad's Dungeon. Ooh, season three, episode 29, you said? Uh, Season three, episode 25, 25. Dad's Dungeon. I feel like I may have seen this episode. Are there a couple? Is, there's a couple dungeon episodes, right? There's a lot of dungeon episodes. I really like the dungeon episodes, actually. Uh, it's uh, you. Th- it's sort of an important part of the Adventure Time heroing lore that they just do dungeons. Yeah. Uh, but there's not a lot of focus on it. Like the dungeon episodes are are spaced nicely throughout the show, yeah. and they're okay. all pretty good. I haven't like. seen this, but this sounds like a great episode that I'm very excited to watch. It is. I'm pretty sure this gives a little bit of backstory into uh, Finn and Jake growing up as brothers. Yeah. Oh, hell yeah. That, I've, been, I've been waiting for that. I think I said that last that. Sweet. Uh, yeah. Cool. That'll be a good Algebraic. one. Algebraic.
uh, yeah, this was a this was a good app. Great app. I want to Wilson, Dan Ford, Sean, our regular active listeners. Thank you. I think Haley is another one. If you're actively listening, send us an email. Uh, we'll love your feedback. Um, you, hey, uh, if you're enjoying it, rate the podcast on whatever platform you're on. That helps us out. Oh, yeah, um, that's a good one. Tell tell one friend about it that you think might like it. That helps us. And uh, and then as Eric mentioned, we have the old little like support function. Um, on anchor.com slash adventure guys podcasts. So kick us a penny or two. All right. Peace out y'all. Bye. Under a tree? Is it is that the lyrics? Place like under that. a tree. What a great song, right? Yeah, every time it plays, I'm like, I tell Sean, I'm like, it, I think it has something to do with the context of when it's played, but I was like, I'm always convinced that it's the greatest song I've ever heard. It's got that that like dampened snare pickup is a perfect comedic episode end signal. Yeah. Yeah, and dig it, dig it, dig something like that and Sean and I were talking yeah. about we love how it's recorded which it's definitely just like a 57 just pointed at a drum set you know <laughs> yeah. like it's great uh that yeah so Adventure Time and Steven Universe both have really great end credit songs I like the end credit song more of Adventure Time more than I like the theme song yes 100% also Craig of the Creek has a great end credit song wow uh, OKKO OK has a Rebecca Sugar end credits song, but it's like easily like not even close to any of the other Cartoon Network end credits songs. It's weird. Yeah, there must be. I wonder if that is something that came from like Cartoon Network because Nickelodeon shows like I don't remember a lot of their end credit songs. Maybe I'm misremembering, but I'm wondering if someone at that's like one note from the network when they're developing their shows that are like listen like. You should make sure your end credit song slaps. Thank you.